Welcome trippers, acid droppers and mushroom munchers. This is Sideboob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. I'm joined every week by Jonathan Astro and AJ. How the heck are we? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You're and, up and about. Yeah. I am. My, my football team <laughs> is winning. I might as well tell it. Because you can't just pretend it's not happening. So I'll just say, I'm not going to bore anyone with who it is or what the deal is. But anyway, a team I support is winning and I'm I'm really happy. I've got the jumper on, got the mood lighting. It's, I uh, like that the win wasn't even today. It was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You're still riding high. Yeah. Long. <laughs> the afterglow is long. Speaking of riding high. Hey. Riding high. Altered States, Altered 1980. States. Ken yeah. Russell. This is our Ken Russell Festival. Uh, and this film, had, had either of you seen this film before? No. no. First timers. Great. Excellent. I think I'd only seen it once. So, well, maybe. Yeah, or maybe maybe twice, uh, and so it was great to, great to revisit that. So I don't know. First impressions? No, I jump straight in. Jump straight yeah. in. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. A, that means yeah. there's a lot to say. I love it. <laughs> in the basement of one of the country's leading medical schools, Dr. Edward Jessup, candidate for a Nobel Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science. And the subject of the experiment is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. What happens during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration, like you're being shot out over millions, billions of years. Time simply obliterates. You guys are shooting off with an untested drug that stacks up in the brain and works in the nucleus of the cell, and you don't call that dangerous. Now, I'm asking you to put the experiment off until we understand a little more in order to minimize the risk. I'm really frightened. We could be screwing around with this whole genetic structure. Now, how do we stop this? We've got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. He may be on to something that is beyond our own comprehension. Now, because I believe him, I want this thing stopped. The hell was that? You okay? If you love me, if you love me, Eddie, get fired! States. Edward Jessup, played by William Hurt. Oh, we should probably mention William Hurt. The late William Hurt uh, recently passed away. Uh, so that was another part of the reason why we're watching. So Edward Jessup is a monomaniacal psychopathologist uh, desperate to understand other states of consciousness. So a psychopathologist is someone who studies abnormal cognition. Taking a break from his regular sessions in a sensory dep- deprivation tank, he manages to hit the dating scene and hook up with Emily. Uh, who doesn't mind him talking about God and religious symbols mid-coitus. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, skip ahead. They hook up and have some rugrats, uh, but they're on the rocks already. Uh, because, Well, seven years later, really, because Jessup has realized that his lifestyle and output are not conducive to groundbreaking original thought. So Emily takes the kids to Africa where she's doing some research of her own, and Jessup resumes his explorations along with a couple of colleagues. 
That is uh, psychological explorations. The first stop is Mexico, where he imbibes a mushroom concoction cooked up by the Hinchy tribe. And what follows is a nightmarish waking dream that features dancing natives, sparklers, snakes, Jessup's naked wife, and a lizard or two. Uh, He takes the potion back to the States for further research, and he and his colleagues combine the potion with the sensory deprivation tank experience in order to enhance the effect. So Jessup has uh, all, you know, the mad visions you'd expect from taking an exotic poison into your body and putting yourself in a tank of water. But he emerges from the tank unable to speak, you know, his mouth covered in blood, uh, rather shockingly in one scene. So this is an important turn. Jessup believes that he has somehow through this experience regressed to an earlier form of man, a kind of proto-human. And x-rays and blood, blood tests seem to point to this. Uh, that he's got some kind of simian, you know, uh, uh, thing going on. Thankfully, it's temporary and Jessup reconstitutes back to his old self. So anyway, his wife Emily comes back into town and rather than work on their relationship or, you know, uh, father their children, he decides to hit the tank again, Uh, this time completely devolving into some kind of extremely graceful hairy ape man. Uh, he, He hits the town. Uh, he's chased by dogs and then pops along to the zoo uh, where he kills a deer and eats it. And he figures, why not give it one more try and decides to go in the tank once more. This time, Emily comes to the lab to see that uh, Jessup's colleagues have been knocked out by some kind of energy wave and where the tank used to be is sort of a swirling pool of glowing water. Uh, are you still with me? Uh, there are, there are, you're just sort of nodding, going, mm, yes, yes. <laughs> There are glimpses of Jessup undergoing uh, some kind of awful transformation as well. And Emily reaches into the void to try and rescue him. He awakens out of this and and all is well, it seems. And later, Jessup tells Emily about his findings. He says that there's no final truth and there's nothing out there except simple hideous horror. And, you know, there's nothing like a bit of pillow talk. (laughs) Uh, In the hallway, Jessup is overtaken by the consciousness he has discovered. Uh, this this sort of um, hard to describe uh, the proto-human or pre-human consciousness has taken him over. He looks like Mr. Gross, all right? He does. Like he's just a big bulbous <laughs> Mr. Gross. Anyway, Emily uh, runs up to him and she too seems to transform into this sort of, uh, you know, glowing uh, creature herself. Something like is it Alex Gray who does all those, those albums. Mm, yeah, uh, definitely. So that's what it looks like. Uh, She calls out to him not to give in and he slams himself against the walls to ground himself back to our reality. Eddie and Emily embrace uh, naked and we are treated to a nice view of the cleft of Emily's butt cheeks. (laughs) This is the essential message of the movie. (laughs) Altered states. (laughs) Where where do we even begin with this this movie? Yeah. Well, boring stuff maybe. I don't know. Like I um uh I love a- academia movies. Like mm. I I've even I've read this book actually. I read the the because it was right. a novel first yeah. by Paddy Chayefsky and I read the book uh, an old version of the book. Got it out of a library and everything and um something about the the milieu of this is is probably why I went back to uni as an adult. Like some I don't know what it is. It's like collegiate and like it's you know knowledge and like just just the feeling of those buildings like Mm. you know 
and, and to a certain degree, the first part of Ghostbusters is that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, and so I love this. And, and like another film that spends, you know, you get to kind of go to law school is The Paper Chase, which is a great movie. So anything where you, you sort of get this feeling of being in academia, um, I, I don't know. I just, I, I like it. And so I thought we'd get that out of the way first. Yeah. And they didn't dumb it down. No, it was that, but maybe that's, maybe that's a problem because, you know, I wonder, we can get into this later. I wonder how that flies with, with people. Mm. Mm. Well, I, there's so much to like in this movie and, and I like a lot of it, but one of the problems I did have with it was the, the, the constant psycho babble from Dr. Jessup, you know, it's constant and annoying and it's fast as well. Like it the is dialogue. Fast. Uh, and personally, I struggle a bit when, when dialogue is that fast and consistent. Like, I think just personally, I like uh, films with less less dialogue or, or at least less dense dialogue. Mm. It was a know. lot. And they're talking over each other. That's yes. right. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is sort of maybe, I mean, look, this might come up into the trivia later or something, but, you know, Ken Russell is a, is it? He does what he does. The writer Paddy Chevsky does what he mm. does. Yeah. He he's a very verbose writer. Obviously, they didn't get along. Mm. Uh, and so, what we've got is, you know, the stories of Ken Russell saying, you know, being very open and saying, well, I, you know, it was my job just to sort of try and bring the emotion out of 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 these words and to try and not have not focus on these these big monologues of as you say psychobabble or pseudoscience or whatever mm. uh and and try and get you know the focus on to something else because yeah as the cinema isn't it's not a verbose medium it never yeah. has been and we we had 27 years of cinema before we had audio before mm. we had voice yeah. so yeah you know you weren't allowed to have big long um sort of uh monologues mm. and, and that's so the cinema is built on 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 that and so this is we've got this weird marriage here of of this this outrageous Fellini-esque style of imagery and 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 whatever mm. great camera moves and then we've got yeah these these a lot of a lot of of, of monologues mm. yes well that was uh that was a bit of a like like you said there there was a uh, a butting of heads between the scriptwriter and and Russell and Chayefsky. I think it was in his contract that not a word was to be changed of oh, the dialogue. Wow. So um, let me just see here. I've I've got a few quotes here. Um, it says Russell maintained that he changed almost nothing in Chayefsky's script. We shot every word that Paddy wrote, except for some trifling changes in the Mexican sequences. Said Russell. In fact, I was more faithful to the script in altered states than any previous movie, and I think I did a great justice. Um, we're saying every word exactly as he wrote it. Uh, said Brown during filming. I suppose the truth is he, Chayefsky, and Ken are such different personal personalities that they found it impossible to work together. So Chayefsky basically had to distance himself from the film and he took his name off the film actually so he's not credited he's, he's got a pseudonym what? in the credits i think yeah and um it's interesting I've, I've got a little thing here uh from joe esterhouse actually it's uh, according to joe chavsky had uh, clause in his contract yeah like i said stipulating that uh, the words in the script could not be changed and russell at the height of his alcoholism 
was uh, rebuffed when attempting to change the words and then began uh, purposely trying to destroy Paddy's dialogue by having the actors eat while they were delivering it or having them deliver it in a staccato machine gun kind of style so that you couldn't make out what they were saying as to how it's considered the, di- uh, the direction of Russell to have destroyed the script and the film, which was uh, ultimately a critical and commercial failure. A heartbreaking experience for Chayefsky, who had fought for decades against that uh, and for protecting his material. It was such a heartbreaking experience that he died shortly afterwards, some say, from a broken heart. Um, I don't know how much I believe all of that. Uh, would would Russell go out of his way to, to destroy someone's dialogue? Like... Because that seems like like he's you know he's out to destroy the film you know no I think he would just d- d- go with his own instincts and yeah. and maybe that got, runs against what um, mm. Paderewski wanted to do and 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 someone who you know you could interpret it as malice but um, mm. uh, I think Ken would just be doing what he's doing which is you know yeah I think that's yeah big big talk but uh, mm. look you know it's a it's a difficult one because I think that. Um, you know, adaptation and collaboration, as we know, is always a big problem. And yeah, it's, it's, I would normally go, oh, changing dialogue is, you know, maybe you should ease up on that. However, he did do network. And now I don't give a lot of films a perfect 10, but that movie's a perfect 10. There's a handful of movies that are a perfect 10, and network's like a, a perfect 10, like incredible script, greatest, one of the greatest screenplays ever, ever written. And I'm so, you know, I'm so glad that we, we have it, and I'm sure every word was his. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. It just sounded like a bad collaboration, mm. you know. Like yeah, yeah. if they got on, then he probably would have gone. Oh, do you think I can have her say this? And he would have gone, Yeah, all right, come on. Mm. Yeah, you know. But instead, he's gone. I hate you, and I am the movie. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I will not change one word. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the two doctors here, uh, Eddie Jessup and Emily Jessup, they hook up like instantly in this movie. Oh, is, yeah, is that what on. is that what used to happen in the seventies? I don't know. How did people meet back then? Well, they met at a party, and um, they met. They met at a party. They're talking to each other. They go for a walk, and then it's like, "Can I stay at your place?" Yeah, tonight? he asked with consent. He did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll play it for you. Here we go. Hey. What have we got here? I've always been interested in interior experiences, especially the religious experience. The only reason I'm working with schizophrenics now is the religious experience is so significant in schizophrenia. There's only so much work you can do with animals. I worked with monkeys for two years, but monkeys can't tell you what's going on inside their consciousness. You need human beings for that, and you're not allowed to ablate human beings, and you can't stick electrodes in their skulls, so I have to use some kind of trance-inducing technique, and the isolation tank seemed the least risky. Listen, I'd like to go home with you tonight. Would that be all right with you? I've got a roommate who will be confined to the living room couch. Oh. What's wrong with the living room couch? You tend to slip off a lot. I'm sure we'll manage. Yeah, I'm sure we will. So whenever you want to go there, you let me know. How about right now? <laughs> well, he's all, at the he it's at the smooth. time. <laughs> he's also sort of pl- like toying with her uh, top at the time mm. as well, like sort of. You know, fiddling with her, with her. So he's making uh, connection. Um, so. Yes, mm. it probably might come up later, but I'm I'm not quite sure what you're meant to do now. Like, you know, are you, you 
you know, what do you meant to say? What do you, I don't know. Like, well, you you, you got to give one point five meters social distance. You know? <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> got to yes, add yes, that yes. in. Yeah. So there's no no touching. But then again, <laughs> no touching. You, but no touching. <laughs> but if you can identify if she's your kind of person, if she's got two masks on as well, mm. yes, <laughs> or no mask. Yep. Or no mask. Or she's got, yeah. If she's got no mask and a MAGA cap, then you can, then you, and then you go, oh, yeah, she's a bit of fun. And then if yeah. she's got an, an N95 um, and, a and a face shield, shield <laughs> and a face shield and a book and like a book with Dr. Fauci's, yeah. then, then you go, okay, all right, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe another time. <laughs> but the, 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 some of the freak out sequences in this are, Fucking amazing! Mm. Yes, they are so good. One of my favourite scenes is where the 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 two lead actors here, William Hurt and Blair Brown, they turn into sand amazing. and then they rode away. That uh, was so good. Amazing. That was probably my favourite little little scene. I think we're that. all in agreement. That's the best scene in the movie. Definitely. Like easily, like mm. it's it's too good. It so is. they get down in in position, like sort of uh, prone on the ground, looking at each other. Uh, in a cave, and then uh, the first layer of sort of ash blows through this constant uh, and covers their entire face, and you go, okay, all right, like they're covered in in ash and whatever. And then suddenly, like a cut later, I don't know where when they actually become statues mm. because the statues are so amazing. Yeah, you can't tell. Yeah, you can't tell. Like so, so somewhere in the in in that they become these statues, and then they get sand blown into these mounds and sort of look like uh, eventually end up looking like sand dunes or something mm-hmm. yeah. themselves. And it gets you and, and, and it just, you keep reinvesting and reinvesting and reinvesting. This is something that uh, they used to do. They don't really do it much anymore, except maybe in the odd Khan movie now or something, but you know, you used to hold something and get people to reinvest in it. Uh, whereas, you know, I think, unfortunately uh, the trajectory of our attention is so is, is such that people just go, what the fuck? Like, like, what's that? Nothing happened in this movie, mm. you know? Like, yeah. hurry up. Like, so what? <laughs> so what? They're fucking statues. I get it. You know? why I watch YouTube. <laughs> yeah. it's, why they watch, it's why they watch um, clips of Gordon Ramsay yelling at people. <laughs> yeah. No, that was, it was incredible. Yes. Love it. Love that. Love, love that scene. Love, yeah. It's just so... Mm. Dazzling. I like the change in dialogue, how he's constantly talking about whatever he's talking about and then he'll change to something else. Like when she said, when she brought up let's get married and then he's saying mad shit and then at the end he's just like, okay, let's get married then. Yeah, but now back then it was a whole different thing. Let's and this, let's go to all the taboos. Clearly, you know what people would say now. They'd say, "Oh, it's okay. He's on the spectrum." Yeah, mm. definitely. They'd say, yeah. "They'd say, oh, he's not. He's like." And this is, you know, I'm not saying that this is. You know, I've got autism in, in my family. Some people say I'm autistic. Okay. Yeah. I so would. you know, would you? <laughs> so my wife says that too. She said, you know. But anyway, she um. So, but people you, back then they would just would have said, "Oh, he's an asshole" yeah, or something. Yeah, he's definitely. Whereas, whereas now, I don't know what we'd say. We'd say he's neurodivergent, and <laughs> and I think whatever. his colleague actually did call him an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a lot of religious delusion among acute schizophrenics. Some guys say schizophrenics are physically different from the rest of us. It's almost as if they were trying to change their physical selves to adapt to their schizophrenic image of themselves. All right, 
we'll get married since it's that important to you. I'm not comfortable with women, and I'm not likely to find anyone half as remarkable as you again. I think I can make a reasonably good husband. I don't want to lose you, you see? I suppose that's the closest thing to a declaration of love that I will ever get out of you. Look, we've all got a story like this. I had a manager at a job like two years ago or something. And she was, look, I don't think she was on the spectrum. She was just, you know, she was just a micromanaging bozo who like just got under your skin and just never trusted you and, and busted your balls. And then I said to a colleague, oh, geez, you know, so-and-so is a bit much, hey? Like that's, and, they, and then they just did that whole thing where they go, oh, well, you know, I think there's something going on there. Yeah. And then you go... No. Sorry. Like, yeah, what they're am a I fucking mean? asshole. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, douchebag. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, you know, unless – so what's the rule? I mean, I try and treat everyone with a bit of kindness, but does that mean that I always need to just be worried about someone who, who hasn't announced that they, they are mm. neurodivergent maybe being so? Mm. Self-diagnosed, of course. Yeah. By the way, she was a manager, and if you're a manager, you have to deal with people, and if you can't communicate with people, then maybe being a manager is not the right job for you. That's right. Mm. I like that Let's you're still carrying it after two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was a total bitch. <laughs> she was a total bitch. I hated her. I think we went through uh, this right. at the time. <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> and it felt good then and it feels good now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so is is the overall theme of this film that men need the love of women or else they devolve into apes? I mean, we see this a little bit when the wife and kids are out of town for more than a few days. Men wear the same clothes every day. They stop washing. They end up eating plain bread and condiments only because <laughs> that's all we have in the fridge. There are spanker chiefs all around the house. The toilet <laughs> never gets flushed. Your grimy T-shirt doubles as a dishcloth. You never wear pants or underwear. So, you know, is that what's going on here? We need women in our lives or else we turn into these weird beast ape men. <laughs> And kill deers and eat them, and pretty much. Astro does get quite weird when Katie goes away for a long period of time. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, she went away, and I did get, I did drift into the arena of the unwell. I'm not quite sure what it is. I, embarrassingly, I think it is simply just not having enough people to talk to. Mm. Like, like normally, she bears the brunt mm. yeah. of it, so. You know, I just I just go anyway. So you know, the CRT stuff's a bit annoying, eh? Yeah. And she goes, she says, yes, yes, isn't it? And I go, mm, yeah. And then later on in the day, I go, uh, you know, like, fuck, what, what happened to rock and roll? How come no one listens to November Rain anymore? And uh, and she's like, it's a good song. And I go, yeah, I know. I mean, bring it back, I say. And then. When- <laughs> and, now that, and so like because water, awkward water cooler chats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, then there's, but then she also gets the the tirades, yeah. you know, because you, I mean, dear listener, you've heard these tirades. <laughs> she gets the first draft where I just go off, and she's got to go act like it's. That's why she won't listen to the show. She's like, I've heard it all, mate. So <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I did get a bit weird. I'm not quite sure. And so maybe maybe you're right. Maybe Jessup, uh, you know, did uh, did sort of fly off the handle a bit. Like, but he still fucked them kids. He doesn't care about his kids. <laughs> the children. Oh, yeah. 
in this movie, got I get the short shrift. Like I, I, you know, I, I'm not quite sure. I think that's a deficiency of the movie. Like, like, you know, and this go, I'm jumping around a bit now, but um, Close Encounters, uh, you know, uh, has a similar thing where, and he's Spielberg got roasted for this at the time. Basically, you know, there's a character in that movie that leaves his family to go and be with the aliens, and people were like, "That's quite, you know, it's quite a big." Uh, big deal mm. and um i mean his family were assholes to be frank with you so <laughs> like i remember that but at the same time spielberg you know since he became mr kids in the 80s it was sort of a bit like he was like oh i could never do that now and um this movie's got a similar thing where um a big part of these people's lives is being is just being sort of sidelined or erased to the point where it's sort of like um a bit confusing like you know the, the effect they, they the the main couple come across as i mean they're obviously really self-interested narcissists but at the same time you know their kids would still be feeling the effects of that mm. or maybe this was before people cared about oh, definitely on kids yeah they were just like oh geez you know get on with it like hurry up i've got to get to my get get to my my lecture later and they've just got to follow you and you know and you go oh, shut up like yeah. you, you know you're, you're annoyed by them constantly mm. yeah, yeah yes yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right just get I mean, in the way of your trip to africa where you're studying apes yeah. you know? that's right yes mm. but uh, well actually and it's weird that i mentioned close encounters there's two connections with the coast encounters in this mm. movie there's drew so drew barrymore is in this movie um as one of the kids really um yes yeah, yeah. It's her first, one of the kids. It's her first, uh, it's her first acting role. Oh wow! Not to get inappropriate, but later on, I mean, you know, we covered Poison Ivy. We know what happens to mm. that little girl, and she went off the rails. That's okay, she, she got older, and then she put on fuck me boots and the rest of it, and you know, now she's got her own talk show on YouTube. So, <laughs> um, the other connection to Close Encounters is is Bob Balaban, um, who who I do want to talk about at some point. Um, uh, but yeah, well, I'm not talking about him now. So there's a there's a there's a character actor called Bob Balaban. He's one of my favourite character actors. He, so he's some movies he's been in. You would have seen him in. Yeah, he's in Close Encounters. One of the scientists. He's in Cash Me Two. He's got a famous scene in Midnight Cowboy where he sucks off um, uh, John Voight, uh, which is great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my favorites too. Yeah, no, it's so no, it's a great scene. It's really good because afterwards he's, he's like he does it, and then John Voight tries to because he, he's a hooker. He says to him like, you know, you got to pay him, whatever. He's like, I don't have the money, and then then I sort of rough him up and stuff. It's really gross and wonderful. Uh, he's been in some other little films people might not know: Prince of the City, Alice Woody film, and Bob Roberts, Tim Robbins uh, film. Deconstructing Harry, very very memorable uh, role in the 1997 Woody Allen movie, and then obviously all the Christopher Guest documentary mockumentaries, so Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman, Mighty Wind, all of that. And he's got uh, some great, uh, you know, I, I, I loved both of the characters in this movie. So, hang on, are you, are you going to mention Seinfeld? Seriously, that's all I wrote. So no, 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 <laughs> no sorry, sorry, no, Seinfeld. no. <laughs> hold it hold it so there's two other roles that I've, I've even got them written here and i forgot this is the most important one and you brought it up with one of them one of them is the west wing very memorable episode in in the west wing is plays a sort of a a gay rich donor uh, in one of the episodes but the, the his greatest role is russell dalrymple yeah. in seinfeld mm. that's that's the greatest thing he's ever yeah. done like that's that's hands down you know did, is, doesn't he say get a good look costanza yeah. <laughs> 
So he says, "Get a good." And uh, when Costanza looks down, Denise Richards is top. Yeah. Um, at her bosoms, because that was back when back then it was funny. Whereas now, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it is now. But right, yeah, it's, right, yeah, all of it. And it's his daughter, yeah, it's, yeah. so yeah. So it's like, um, you know, get a good look, Costanza. So he's got that, but then he's also got the line, um, when they say. Why? So why am I watching? And he goes, and because it's on TV. And he goes, not yet. <laughs> so yeah. that's a good line. But the ultimate is him coming back as a punk bitch to try and win over Elaine. Yeah. So mm-hmm. think of think of his entire arc. Five episodes. His entire and he, I think he dies in on the Greenpeace boat. Like falls off the Greenpeace boat or whatever. And the guy, this guy, who calls out to him and says, like, you know, he's not in five know. episodes. Yes. He's in, yeah. he's in what? I would have said he's in 10 episodes. That's well, crazy. It feels big. Well, yeah, it's a yeah, massive feels, role. Feels Hello. Oh. Hi. Hi. I'm Molly. Ah, I'm Jerry. Uh, George. Uh, we're here discussing our script with your father. Yeah. He just read it. <laughs> Daddy, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, sweetie. Uh, I'm fine. Oh. Dad, are you all right? What's the matter? It's, it's just a stomach thing. Yuck. Well, we're going to have to do this some other time. So if, if you give me your number, I'll call you later. <laughs> Get a good look, Costanza. It's, it is an incredible role, like, you know, the head of NBC, just like hilarious straight man. Straight, yeah. I mean, he is, and his career shows it, like, a total journeyman like you never appreciate these these actors you never appreciate these these character actors and you really should like that they just bring your whole movie to to life or your show or Seinfeld Seinfeld would be a weaker show without him Mm. like think of anyone else playing that role I mean he just played it so beautifully I I don't think enough people talk about the huge supporting cast in Seinfeld you know all these little character actors all through the seasons you know no we could have a Seinfeld podcast, really. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there's one out there. I'm sure there's yeah, 10 well, out there. You know, we'd, yeah. Well, it's it's an incredible show. So hey, that's Bob Balban. But but in this movie, he's got a couple of great lines. There's 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 a scene where he does wonderful uh, academic shouting. So listen to this. Skies tonight was history, and what are we going to do about it? I'm going to do nothing about it. Night scared the hell out of me. That tank just blew up. Whatever happened inside that tank released a hell of a lot of energy. For God's sake, let's drop this goddamn thing. I don't want to talk about it. I can't help it. You may want to go to sleep right now, but the way I feel, I don't expect to go to sleep for a year. (laughs) I'm on fucking fire. I am in there mopping up the goddamn tank room, and I would like to know why. Do you believe in supernatural agencies, Mason? No, sir, I do not. That what we saw tonight was a physical phenomenon, an inexplicable physical phenomenon. I don't know if it's phenomenological, then it's explicable. I've got to know why. Let me talk, for Christ's sake. I have been in there mopping up that goddamn tank room for the last three hours. I'm not going to tell you what I would like to do. 
We have got to repeat this with other human subjects. We need a selective sample. We will put up a notice in the Student Union for Volunteers, oh, God, something like that, Almighty. and uh, get five or six subjects. Right? Go back to the square one with them and step up the doses of the drug in a graduated the fashion. With all the petitions against genetic engineering oh, and protest against power. Say the big morals tired about people making the drug. And here you are, willing to use an untested drug. It's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good, love it. They're complaining about uh, they about what they've seen in the, in the final showdown there when when all the shit goes down. Then they they're obviously freaking out. But it's uh, very enjoyable, simple, you know. So Bob Balaban, <laughs> thank you is what I want to say. You know, just incredible. I thought you said thank fuck you. you. <laughs> 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 Cut it out. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. But no, but that would be yeah. full just That's right. full commitment. Like, like I led you down the path and then I say, fuck you. Fuck you. It was all a joke. Fuck you. Like, go to hell, you fucking dick. And then, like, what kind of evil Will Smith type villain would you need to be? Uh, but what's what's the deal with the other scientist? Is his name Mason? Is that it? I love him. He's he's so aggressive sure. all the time. He just calls he calls Dr. Jessup yes. just like he just you're hates a fucking him. madman. Yeah. You know, you you're an idiot. What are you doing? That's right. But this is this is what we're missing now. Like, you know, if in a writer's room, they would try and make everyone super nice. Yeah. And you wouldn't even have that character. Like the the point is you've got him so that he can do what's what they call raising a lantern to things. So all those characters are doing is taking some of our concerns as an audience and saying them and or saying how we feel possibly and raising a lantern to yeah. them. And so, so, so we go, okay, well, they've covered that off. You know, so they wouldn't even have that character now. They'd say, oh, everyone's got to be nice or he's got to have his own story or he's definitely got to be nice, but not binary. Or, or they'd be enemies. They, they wouldn't work yeah, together. Yeah, well, that's right. Whereas, like, it's wonderful that he's that that they've got this antagonistic – it seems very realistic that they, they, they're these sort of high-powered guys who are mm. – But um, then I love it how he you know, fully sort of cracks his shits and then he's, I'm not going to work with you guys and then you see him in the next scene come back. Yeah. And I thought it was realistic. Yes, that was Ghostbusters like, in it in its yeah because you, know, you can in, be angry at people and out. crack the shits and then come back together like still be in the same team. Yeah, unless it's a, a hate crime. Yeah, but then that's that. Then you know <laughs> you've got to watch what you say. I'll be back next week, guys. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck you, guys. I'm never coming back. <laughs> Welcome to side <Sideway>. Yeah. <laughs> So, what about this? Reminded me of another film we watched, in in a way. Yeah. The Serpent and the Rainbow. With the snakes. Did you see? You feel a connection there? <laughs> the snakes. What the snakes? That's the thing. That's the connection. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Chode and I. The snakes. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> they're both about. They're both about like a guy going on a. You know, psychological journey. They both take serum from another, like a tribe, bring it back to America and study it. And you guys, yeah, the snakes. <laughs> Simple. Yeah, all of that. <laughs> all of that. Yeah. All of that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Okay. All right. Well, check check that movie out too. Then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Check it out too. Huh? Uh, I remember not liking that film. <laughs> well, it's yeah. yeah, it's got some problems. But the more I think about it, the more I like it. Like it's one of those ones that, um, well, Altered States is pretty similar. Like I don't really uh, feel you know compelled to watch it all the time. But every time I do, I feel great. And and afterwards, I think about it a lot. Like and that, and that, and that's maybe uh, something we need to bring bring back. You know, this idea that. You know, sometimes, you know, it's not going to be enjoyable to think about beforehand or maybe even during, but afterwards it's all worth it. I find it, that a lot know? with this podcast. Delayed gratification. <laughs> like with the movies that we watch. Not... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's only yeah. afterwards that you go, mm, that was very good. Amazing. Hard bodies. <laughs> Hard bodies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Beach Girls. The Beach Girls. Yes. These are, this and is those the are the, the tens you were talking we about before, of, right? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all I was talking about. You mentioned the family earlier, and I think one of the flaws in the film is that all of the all of that happens so quickly. Like he gets married, like he gets hooks up with a chick, he gets mm. married, he has kids, and then and then bang, he's divorced, you know. Mm. It's that all seems to happen too quickly and they don't really shoot it or or edit mm. it in a way where You're you just feel the passage getting of time. told seven years seven you know? years seven years well compare it <laughs> yeah yeah well compare it to the exorcist for instance so i feel like we spend a bit of time with reagan's character mm. in the exorcist before she's pazuzu you know more possessed so you know we really do get to see her being a kid and and you know uh, and engaging with her and mm. you know uh, before she's completely taken over in altered states, we don't see, you know, they just they they they're in a hurry to get on with it, and and maybe they've yeah. they've, as I said at the beginning, sidelined the chick, the kids, sidelined the family life to the point where you go, well, I don't know, I think that isn't that interesting to see the effect on that your studies and and this consciousness, the search for consciousness is having on your family and mm-hmm. yeah, and the constant tripping out, drugs, Mexico, yeah. But then again, I guess, yeah, we sort of covered this a bit, but like, I feel like, you know, my sisters, one of them grew up in the seventies and stuff oh, and yeah. it did seem pretty loose. Like the parents didn't really care. Mm. And um, yeah, so but maybe the, that was their that relationship was could have been yeah. like, she still loved him. He was the one that was saying, let's get divorced. Wouldn't you think that she'd be like, oh, well, you don't care for me or the kids really. <laughs> You're doing your own thing. You want to fuck co-eds. So good. She was yeah. all in. <laughs> he did. He did yeah. get some grad student runoff, mm. and she was still going. Oh, do, like the, so. She's in the bed. This is the student, because she goes, "Are you okay, yeah. Doctor Jessup?" Like, and you go, "Oh no." Yes. So yeah. He's even keeping the honorifics <laughs> yeah, in the, bed. Yeah. Yeah. They're not on a first first name basis. <laughs> but back then, again, it was charming and understood that you could you could nail your students or you'd be PhD students and stuff and that was mm. that was all good. Whereas now if you did it, I'm pretty sure there'd be a Royal Commission of the Royal Commission. <laughs> like, you know, they'd say, We're doing we're looking into the people who looked into it because it's that bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well Chayevsky said that his his script is that the movie is a love mm. story. I thought so. Oh yeah. Oh well yeah, it is. Yeah. Because it's it's life mm. affirming mm. in a way, but maybe the problem is when I mean, what do we think of of William Hurt as an actor? 
I think he's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like him, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, I think his character is not not particularly likable. But I think he's okay. this, yeah. Yeah. This movie. good at him. He is good at him, <laughs> and I think that. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. And, he uh, fell English. That's impossible. <laughs> so no, but, uh, but but do they have much chemistry? The two. Something. Yeah, something. But they don't. There's something, but they don't have mm. everything. Mm. <laughs> you know, they're not. It's almost it's like not, a, it's a, it's a, it seems to be a marriage of convenience to begin with, in a way. Yes. Like they're both scientists. Academic and wanna, creeps. Yeah. They want to be getting tenure at the same universities and mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's but it does feel like, yeah, pretty I mean he does come around in the end. He does say that, you know, I I'm I wanna you get the sense that he wants to be here now mm. and not in a tank chasing Caveman the dragon. Status. <laughs> Caveman status. Yes. <laughs> yes. He just wants that just go back to basics. He just wants to hunt, sleep, fuck, survive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, so uh but, but, <laughs> Sign but me you up. know, but what ha- I mean actually, what happened to the metaphysical? Like why cuz it feels like even in the 90s when we had that cycle of movies like even the the Matrix and even Truman Show and even Ed TV to a certain degree. But there was an interest, Dark City, whatever, at that at that time uh, in, in the nature of reality. Do you know what I mean? And we were and there were previous times, so obviously coming out of the 70s and the 80s, whatever, there were times where we were thinking about the nature of reality or, the, or, or things that aren't just the, the everyday. We're thinking of God, the divine, the, the other consciousness or other dimensions, whatever. Whereas now... Could we be more obsessed with this thin layer mm. of skin? Could yes, we be more yeah. obsessed with the self? Like, like that is the exact opposite message from all the great religions and, and particularly the Eastern mm. philosophy. They would just say, oh, well, the self is a construction. So, you know, you shouldn't be too tied to your skin or your skin color or, or where you come from because that is just a, a you know, to a certain degree, uh, a construction and and maybe thinking in, in in taking LSD or getting out of you know getting into a dep- deprivation tank and and and, and you're know, losing your reality is a way of of I mean I feel like maybe this is the kind of thing some of the wokesters need like they maybe they need micro dosing of mm. of something <laughs> like like of 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 a kind of drug that gets you out of uh, yourself and out of your experience so that you go oh wow there's like, more than me you know. There's more than me, and you know, really maybe my co-walk. There's more than me. <laughs> yeah, but like, no, but it's like, <laughs> and maybe, maybe the 65-year-old guy that I work with, like, saying that, I don't know, I was wearing nice shoes, wasn't like, I wasn't raped when he said that. <laughs> like, it was just, <laughs> he was just, he was saying nice Converse <laughs> shoes, and I was like, thanks. <laughs> Converse, not even like high heel shoes. I something. had to change it. No, you're living in the fifties. It would, yeah. it, it would be fucking Converse now. It'd be some fancy Converse or sketches or some shit. Yeah, yeah. And it would be ironic and they'd be colourful. And if you said anything about them, <laughs> that'd be the end of you. <laughs> so, so you're you're encouraging everybody to go out there and microdose. Sure. Whatever. No. What I'm what I'm encouraging people to do is to stop being fucking mm. assholes. And whatever they need to do, and and at least the message of this movie, like the uh, see that's the thing. I feel like if you explain to some of these people now about 
you know, other consciousness and, and, and finding the limits of our reality and what's real and what's not. I feel like, because because even the gender gender obsessed people and all that, they are interested in, they're not interested in getting rid of everything because they love, you know, our plane mm. of reality. They love it. Like they go, oh, well, it's all a construction. and uh, But but the, all the trappings of their life and, and the things they like to do are, are rooted to this, this um, you know, uh, crude matter, as Yoda would say, like it's they're obsessed with all of that, and they don't want to to mm. go to that next level. Like I would buy what they were what they were saying a little more if they were like, you know, but because when you look at it, and I'm only picking on them, it's there's a whole bunch of people doing the same thing in, in different arenas. But if you look at the typical, you know, person who looks like they're having a bit of trouble with some of this, these issues, they've got the piercings, the blue hair and all this stuff. They, they, they're not trying to transcend this world through their mind, which is the only way you're going to mm. do it, right? Your mind is the only thing that's going to get you out, out of this prison. Even the Stoics knew that. They said, you know, like you know, as long as I've got my, you know, my mind, uh, you know, I can, I'm, I'm, mm. you'll never get me, you know. Whereas if I'm like doing four bleaches worth on my hair and then getting the blue putting that in and doing the other <laughs> half red and that's yeah four saturdays gone and yeah. me doing that <laughs> don't forget the the, the ir- ironic tattoos and ironic tattoos and like you know writing this the, the ironic songs that are to, to, to sort of stir up the right or whatever you've got to do on tiktok so i mean all of this stuff is like anti anti-transcendence anti-metaphysical mm. you know yeah so I don't know. I just, I just, I, I hope we, everything's in cycles and maybe soon we'll get back to something. Yeah. Get interested in our reality again and say, wow, what is reality? What is, what, what is this experience that we have as opposed to anyway, this is all there is. And, um, you know, uh, women have penises <laughs> and then you go, wait, what? And they go, yeah, well, this is all there is. And if all there is, is this, there it is down there on that woman. And you go, all right. <laughs> What are you saying, <laughs> sir? Sir, kindly leave my house. It's ma'am. It's <laughs> ma'am. Yes, yes. Post a always. link to that video. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a classic. So, all right. Well, I'll lighten things up. Uh, AJ, just quickly knock this off. Keeper or creeper? A couple Ooh. of interesting picks tonight. Let's start with William Hurd as Dr. Eddie Jessup, researcher at Harvard. Okay. Ooh. That's the Ivy I League. Like it. Okay, all right. What's well, the Ivy League? They get paid significantly a lot more, you know, than other people. He does like a bit of me time, so mm. I don't know no, how that sits with you. Years <laughs> worth, years worth of me time. Mm. Mm. Yes, and when I say me, I mean him alone in, in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not yeah. like he's going to Thailand with the boys. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, he's not doing a Warnie special, no. But... He is fairly adventurous, though, uh, you know, because some people wouldn't even order a different dish at their local restaurant, whereas, I mean, he's going to drink mushroom juice to see what <laughs> that's happens. That's true. So that's evidence that he's he can be fun. Yeah, he can be fun. And he's a little kinky, you know. Um, he's it's like sex, a bit of mystical sort of sting yes. type sex. I'll pay that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because sting, he's, he's into some of this stuff. Um, so dirty talk to him is more, you know, God, <laughs> Jesus, crucifixions and stuff. Heavy. I would have thought a bit heavy, but especially you know, when we're banging know, for like the first it's... time. Yeah. Yes. Well, well you know, I, I've got, got a... a great, great quote for you. Go on. 
You don't have to tell me how weird you are. I know how weird you are. I'm the girl in your bed the past two months. Even sex is a mystical experience for you. You carry on like a flagellant, which can be very nice, but I sometimes wonder if it's me that's being made love to. I feel like I'm being harpooned by some raging monk in the act of receiving God. Harpooned. Yeah. Receiving God. <laughs> so that's, uh, I don't know what to do with all that, but anyway... <laughs> I don't want to say selfish, all right? <laughs> but I'm not certain he'll ask you how your day was. Yeah, that's true. You know? Mm. Um, and as we did say before, it's unconfirmed, but I think he likes a bit of that grad student runoff now and then. So, <laughs> you know, if it's on offer, you know, he might just every now and then just nail one of them and not, not even feel guilty about it. No, yeah, seemed fine Just with it. All in the name of research. <laughs> yes. So that's that's Dr. Eddie Jessup. Um, and uh, keeper or creeper? Well, it'd annoy me that I couldn't reach him while he was in the tank for hours. That'd be annoying. Right, out of contact. Like, out of contact. Mm, and he's so. losing hours. He's um. Yes. Yeah, he's fully blacking out. Yes. So, so and you can't great. you can't rely on him, you know. No. And he does. Turn into an ape man. We didn't mention that. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's just you know. We'll just stick with him. We'll stick with this first. You don't know that, so let's just say you don't know that. Not knowing that, keep it. It's like Teen Wolf. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, the fly meets Teen Wolf. Uh, creeper. Okay, all right. Well, it's uh, Dr. Eddie Jessup. He's creeper. So next up, uh, Ricky sort of uh, foreshadowed uh, Miguel Godro as Caveman Jessup. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so, so I got to be honest with you. Uh, he's between jobs. <laughs> That's how I usually like him. <laughs> well, this is shaping up already, <laughs> and kind now, of gross caveman. Type. I don't, well, look, and I don't even know if he's got plans to get a job. Really, okay, so we just have to leave it there. <laughs> um, hair suit, so. I mean, a lot of hair over his body. That's true. He's a he's a hirsute man. I mean, I'm. I'll be honest with you again. He's the hairiest man ever. <laughs> Actually, I so, run hot, so that wouldn't like I wouldn't think of him like as a rug or. Yeah. Okay. So, good. Yeah. All right. That's all right. Um, great movement. You know, a lot that's of true. very good movement. Athletic. Um, big hairy know, balls. His toes were impressive. You see him jump on top of cars as balls are just. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't see him, but Ricky, Ricky, <laughs> of course Ricky saw him. <laughs> Ricky saw him. I could, I couldn't look away. <laughs> now, what about this? Is a big one. He's a meat eater. Oh, it's true. Is this a deal breaker, or nah. do you maybe see through it? I or? could. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Still, still looking good. <laughs> now, again. I'm not sure if he's a very good listener, oh. but, well, this is not good either. His EQ would be pretty low, <laughs> but ironically, his IQ is certainly terrible. So <laughs> I don't know how all that's going to go. But then again, a simple guy, simple needs. Um, true. And, you know, how do you get him to Ikea to have a look around on a Saturday? <laughs> I don't know. Difficult, but I think he's more available than than normal Jessup. That's so, true. Hmm. Yeah. So that's Caveman Jessup. 
Keeper or creeper? I think creeper. Oh, I was so, <laughs> so hoping close. you'd say, say keeper. <laughs> you, got, you got very close. I think the build was all wrong, I yeah. think, from what I'm getting. He was from what muscular. Was, yes. What about those toes? Mm. Yes. Impressive. Um, yeah, you have a lot going on. <laughs> Dancer, I think, in real life. Yes, yeah. Hey, it's in my trivia. Oh. <laughs> Are we ready for trivia? Let's do it. You want some trivia? Okay, so um, so in 1981, in a 1981 interview with New York Times, Blair Brown said many of the actors and crew tried out the isolation tank and William Hurt actually hallucinated while Brown found it very peaceful. Um, so Paddy Chayefsky's novel was partially based on the work of neuroscientist and dolphin researcher John C. Lilly, who invented the isolation tank and first started taking drugs whilst tanking. Uh, Lily's work uh, had inspired Mike Nichols' earlier dolphin movie, The Day of the Dolphin, 1973, and Lily was an uncredited scientific researcher on both pictures. Um, Ken Russell alleged in interviews he was the 27th choice for director, stating that Warner Brothers had uh, only hired him after 26 other directors had passed on the project. <laughs> so I don't know whether he's taking the piss there or not. but um, I don't think he's happy about it. <laughs> If your wife said you were number 27, what would you say? You'd say, hmm, all right. Well, he got to make the film, though. Hey. We just got an insight into the way Ricky thinks. He's like, she goes, you were number 27, and he says, who popped your one? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Simple, and I like it. I like it, Life affirming. Yep, yep. It's my seed that got in there. No slut shame in here. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, some footage of, of the hell sequence in the hallucinations comes from uh, a 1935 Dante's Inferno film. Ah, I knew it was that era. It looked like it because, yeah. again, the scale of people as well. Right? Yeah, mm. yeah. It looked like some massive soundstage. Like in Metropo- like Metropolis or something mm. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the only movie to have filmed in the Bronx Zoo. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's the uh, film debut of Drew Barrymore and John Hurt, and it's Blair Brown's first nude scene. So first most, for everyone. Most important. Most important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Just keep Did on you... murmuring it. And then we see you shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was just speaking from the heart. <laughs> well, I sent a screenshot of that ass to you guys. Uh, yeah, sorry. sorry. You're in the week. <laughs> Very good. So Very this good. film was an early user of primitive CGI. Uh, the final transformation segments uh, scanned in footage of William Hurt wearing Dick Smith's distorted bodysuits oh. and uh, added. Dick Smith. Yeah, added in the granular energy effect by computer. So this film was also one of the first movies to use computer assistance to make rotoscope mats uh, needed for both Hurt and Blair Brown's transformations in the final sequence. Dick Smith's incredible makeup artist uh, who well, special effects makeup. For our Australian audiences, we're not talking about Dick <laughs> no. Smith, the entrepreneur. Different guy. Different guy. Hi, and AJ. just to give you two things he did. <laughs> Two things he did, which are incredible. He did uh, Taxi Driver. So some of the effects in Taxi Driver, like Travis getting, you know, shooting people and stuff, like the hand getting blown off. He did all that. He did uh, Exorcist, lots in the Exorcist as well. Like incredible legend. legend So we've got him to blame for the green slime. Yeah, well, he did a lot of the stuff in them. He might have done the green slime. I think he did everything. All the good stuff in the Exorcist, he, he was across it. An incredible guy. So, yeah, wonderful. 
And the CG in this movie is underrated. It is, yeah. 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 It's clearly it's too good. It's one of those movies, a bit like The Abyss, which is a few years later. But you watch The Abyss, you watch this, and you go, and and it's too good for when it was when it came out. Mm. You're like, mm. wow, no one at the time would have even known that this was fucking amazing. Yeah. They would have gone, wow, that looks good. But then you look at what they're watching on TV or something, you're watching the original Battlestar Galactica and it looks like garbage or something. Yeah, and yeah. whereas this is clearly fucking amazing mm. CG. Mm. You know? Yep. My last little trivia here is uh, the film was released on Christmas Day in 1980. So what a what a festive movie to, <laughs> to go out and see. Hey everybody, let's go to the let's go to the cinema. Yeah. What would you like to see, kids? It's a bit of a bummer of a time, I think. You know, so <laughs> maybe that's what they were into. Yes, uh, the reviews were mostly positive. That's which, surprising. Which makes makes a change. Usually, I'm banging on about how everyone hated it, but. Um, Janet Maslin of the failing New York Times uh, termed the film a methodically paced fireworks display exploding into delirious special effects sequences at regular intervals and maintaining an eerie calm the rest of the time. Uh, If it's not wholly visionary at every juncture, it is at least dependably, even exhilaratingly bizarre. It's strangeness which uh, borders uh, cheerfully on the ridiculous is its most enjoyable feature. Uh, Richard Corliss of uh, Time Magazine called the film a dazzling piece of science fiction. He goes on to say uh, it opens at fever pitch and then starts soaring into genetic fantasy, into precognitive dream of delirium and delight. Madness, madness is its subject and substance, style and spirit. The film changes tone, even form with its hero, every new mood and mutation. It expands and contracts with his mind until both almost crack. Goes on and on and on. Wow, they love it. So, yeah. Um, And, yeah, that's – everyone seemed to like it, which is really surprising. Even Ebert. What did Ebert think? (laughs) Oh, I I didn't check in on Ebert. Well, good. Good. Fuck him. So, you know, like he's he's disappointed us like so much. And so I don't I don't think we should we should reward that, mm. you know. So all right, it comes to the Me Too meter tonight. Just a couple of things to consider as always, not too many. So Jessup and his cronies uh at the university might be driven to discover new planes of consciousness. Uh you know, they want to break through to the other side, but what they're not interested in is breaking the glass ceiling. Okay. There's not one single female scientist in their team, and this is proof of the ongoing conspiracy to keep women out of STEM, okay? We hear stories all the time of teachers and parents saying to the little girls, <laughs> you can't do science, you're a girl. Or, Mats, why, why on earth would you want to do that? Here's a ball of yarn. Knit me a sweater. <laughs> Knit me a sweater that I can wear to the Freemasons meeting this evening. <laughs> so this is stuff that I hear all the time. Uh, and I think this movie only nails all of that home. So during what could be called a cute meet, Jessup uh, remarks to Emily, anthropology seems to attract good-looking women, close quote. Now, you might be thinking that complimenting a woman on her appearance is, you know, in the positive is a good thing. Well, you'd be wrong. It's, the pa- it's patriarchal misogyny. We all know that. When courting, you should stay away from appearance. Instead of, that's a nice dress, you should say, hey, you have a demeanor that I find amenable. <laughs> Don't say, you've got such pretty eyes. Say, I'd date you even if you didn't have eyes. <laughs> these are the kind of neutral things that get women hot these days, I'm told. 
Okay. So, workplace romance. Has no one considered the power imbalance in this relationship also? Okay. He's essentially a professor at the beginning. You know, she's a recent graduate. In power terms, that's basically pedophilia. Okay. It's basically the same thing. And is this what men want? Al Pacino's 82. And what does he do? He slips his old Johnson in his 28-year-old girlfriend. That's why. <laughs> this is all wrong. I think he should be 28. She should be 82. No, that's hot. That's hot. We all know that's hot. Okay? Does he really have a 28, 28-year-old girlfriend? But do you think I make this stuff up? I, this <laughs> I is know. all 100% real. Keep it 100%. i am looking that up later. Okay, you should look it up. So... Uh, We've already mentioned uh, children. Uh, you know, children in this movie are seen as a burden. You know, they're a drag on your career, ladies. Don't let them tell you that having and raising children is one of the most joyful and rewarding experiences you can have. No, no. You know, you don't need. You know, to you need to instead spend years in an unpaid internship at at a boutique publisher of anti-racist LGBTQI haiku collections. Family. Fuck that. Just like BLM said, we should be trying to disrupt the nuclear family anyway. And the best way to do that is to be watching teen shows on Netflix, eating haagen alone when you're like 40. Fight <laughs> the power, girl. All right? So, last up. Uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, uh, quote, am I really that weird in bed, Jessup says. The reply, sometimes, she says. Shall I try change? She says, no, I kind of like it. Now, this is a line call, okay? Kinks are something that you should not only talk about all the time, but you also need to somehow shame your listener uh, if they're embarrassed by the dreadful things you need to get off by. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I mean, why on earth did they ever keep all this stuff behind closed doors, I say? Bring it all out. Tell everyone at Christmas dinner about how you like choking and pegging and dressing up as a furry animal and being rogered senseless by strangers. You should never feel ashamed about sex, even if what you're doing is completely hollow and disgusting. Okay? So that's a take, take what you will, as always, from all of that. Uh, just things to consider. Uh, a couple of microaggressions in there. Uh, one quote from Bob Elaban, he says, of Emily, terrific housekeeper, she's not. And then yes. there's all this, all this stuff on the bed, so he knows what what, it, what a good house is made of and mm. it's not her. A uh, little line from one of our favourite scientists at one point, uh, I think um, William Hurd says something, oh, it's from the Hinchy Indians, and he screams out, fuck the Hinchy Indians, which I thought was a nice... <laughs> <laughs> little bit of race-based <laughs> hatred. Mm. So in, that's in there too. So uh, Me Too Meter, what do we give it out of out of 10? This is a tricky one because uh, some of the things you brought up about, uh, yeah, women not being represented in STEM, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I think, that, <laughs> I think that pushes it up, don't you think? Yeah. Um, sure. Depends. Well, yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, we're, you know, I mean, this has just come up recently again. Like, um, you know, uh, we do know that in the Scandinavian countries, which are the most egalitarian and that the left likes to talk about a lot, uh, that when at the moment, when left to our own devices as men and women in those egalitarian countries, not in the uh, not the hellscapes of America that I'm sure they would think, that um, women still end up choosing uh, by and large, what they choose. Hmm. Anyway. Well, at least she still 
had her job when she had kids. She was yeah. still working. And I think, and look, the, the the left would be all about that. They'd be like, you know, um, you know, you got it because career, that's the most important thing mm-hmm. ever. I mean, family, and what's family? I mean, what's mm. the big deal there? Well, fuck them kids. Like fuck she didn't kids. care about the kids either, really. Just, just she let, didn't. Just let BLM raise them. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the village. Yeah. You know, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. So, um, yeah, look, I don't know. Like, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know what's it, it was. It wasn't like overtly offensive again, uh, but then again, his his piggish behavior towards mm. women as well. Yeah. But yeah. then I feel like the movie acknowledged that he was a pig, though. Like, it yeah, wasn't because it wasn't like he was a great guy. No, it wasn't. Again, I always bring up Mahoney, but he wasn't. It wasn't saying that this is just like a Mister Fun and it's all yeah. good. Like he was clearly a, not a well guy, and but he's not. Was he a celebrated scientist though? Yeah, Pull, like some sort of prize winner scientist. He was on a, on on the right track, but he said mm. he hadn't. He he was just sort of ticking the it boxes. Boring, yeah, mm. yeah, like he wasn't d- having original thought or anything. So I don't know. Like, but he did prevail in the end. Yeah, I reckon I'm going to give it five. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 up there. I think. Um, yeah, I could go four. Yeah. <laughs> <Did you know>? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Well, Four, as we know, as, yeah. as we know, it can never be zero. That's true. No, because you know, any any moment past, literally the millisecond before I said this word, was filled with disgusting, just racist, cis het, fucking dickheads. You guys included. We are always included. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so everyone, everyone who's not me right now, you know. And you know, is just was the worst. And <laughs> even a hundred years ago, like it didn't, it doesn't matter. You sh- you should be. It should be 22, 2022 standards should always apply. It should always apply. <laughs> so, caveman Jessup, he should have to like he should should watch his microaggressions, everything. Like mm. you know, like I mean, he needs to take a bunch of those creepy courses. I don't even know what he thinks about non-binary people, but mm. I, it's probably not good, and no. that's that's a problem, as we know. Mm. So um, I don't know. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. All right. Lots to think about. Lots to think about. <laughs> anyway, that's altered states. Next week, the big one, the big finish of Ken Russell, Ricky. It's coming for you, the Devils. Whoop, I can't whoop. wait. So I've been wanting to see this movie for a long time. Arguably, Ken Russell's masterpiece. Uh, so watch it early in the week, rewatch it and mm. enjoy it. And, um, you know, uh, it's going to be a wild ride. So yeah, everyone do your homework. How many times have you seen it, Astro? Uh, but I've seen it a, f- a few, but it's so good and it's, 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 it's a lot. So I'm saying it's not like you can't just pop it on like Boogie Nights. <laughs> <laughs> like this is, this movie is... It is a lot, and you, you you ain't just popping it on. So when I when you when I watch it, I watch it. I sit down and I I made uh, Katie watch it, and still talks about it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's when you my know wife's gonna hate it. Hate it. Definitely. I <laughs> can't wait. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, we said what we said. Yeah, tonight was pretty loose, um, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's loose, Good. and I like it. Well, till next time. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. 
Fuck you. It was all a joke. Fuck you. Go to hell, you fucking dick.